everyone, I'm Isaac Wood. And I'm Amanda Wood. And we are married. <laughs> and this is Rings to Tags. Welcome to another episode of Rings to Tags. I'm still Isaac. I'm still Amanda. And we are excited for you to join us again. Episode three. Episode three. Here Man, we go. We're getting a little groove here. I feel like, I mean, not technically one week apart for each, but we have gotten one out in a week, three weeks in a row. It has been one week in between efforts to get podcasts in. We're on Roughly, like yeah. day four of trying to get this one out. This one, we got some new technology. Ho- you might be able to tell. Hopefully you can tell that our microphone situation is improved dramatically. Our microphone situation is improved. Our recording situation is improved. We are hoping that your experience is improved. But one thing we're concerned about is originally we had our own voices echoing back into our heads on a three-second delay. That probably slowed us down a bit. It slowed us down a lot. We are fast talkers. I'm a very fast Yes. Talker. I could have been a um, micro machine salesman or an auctioneer in another lifetime. Oh, yes, that too. <laughs> micro machine salesman yeah. is what you came up with. So, that what we're trying to say go. is that this is our fifth time walking through this specific intro. And what I can tell you is they've all been different. They are all different. We're not recycling too and, much here. And we're not really sure what we're talking about no, right now. No, we really don't. But what I was going to get to is apologies if we're so fast this time. We're going to try to keep it to a normal human listening speed, but so we, there is a selection on your podcast player where you can put me at half down. speed. <laughs> so our first two episodes were right around, a little over an hour long each, and so we're going to wrap this one up, and it'll be like 34 minutes, and we'll be like, whoa, Uh-oh. we flew through that. Yeah, we're going to try not to do that to you. But we are still excited to be here. And we, we actually have breaking news. Do, 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 do. That's, that's, that's March Madness. Oh, that's, that's, that's the, well, it's the only thing. I, a good effort. I don't on know. Breaking news. I mean, news. they do it when they're coming to commercial to In tell you the March, score. Not to breaking news. Whatever. Let me see if I can find breaking news. Maybe. I like that one. Um, I'm sticking with the March Madness theme song. I mean, I would rather have... Here, what about this? Oh, Oh, you're failing terribly with that thing. It's got a commercial. Breaking news rings the tags. Isaac is wearing his wedding ring. What? See, you like it. It's good. So we've actually filmed two episodes of Rings to Tags, a marriage podcast, and I have not had my wedding ring on for any of them. I don't think I have either. If I'm being honest, I don't know that I've had my wedding ring, wedding wedding ring on ring. Like, since we started recording the podcast. I don't know if you've had your wedding ring on in like three years, hardly. We just traveled to Ohio. I don't think you... It stayed in my jewelry it in case the, jewelry the entire time. The entire time. We took it. So if you guys are wondering if we're qualified to run a marriage podcast, the answer is no, because 
Isaac is running around town actively trying not to be married to me. All my single guys? All, all my, my single guys? All my single guys. All yeah. my single guys. <laughs> but no, I am married. I took the vows. Um, but we have them on. We do. Tonight. I'm wearing mine. I wear mine every day. More often. I mean, there are a few days that I don't wear it when we're like going to the beach or um, I'm cleaning the house. That's pretty much the only time I don't put it on. And yes, we do have a beach in Minnesota. We do. It is a lake beach. Often. It is not an ocean beach, but it is a lake beach. And it's nice because when you leave, you're not sticky and you don't have any jellyfish stings. Not salt water. Not salt water. It's a beautiful lake beach. We use it on 97 degree days like we've been having in Minnesota. Which probably most of the people listening maybe... Have no um, idea. Don't know about that. It gets hot up here. Don't you know? You all. Don't you know? Wolf. <laughs> it gets real hot up here. And that is not something that I anticipated being the case when we moved to Minnesota. I literally, I don't know if you know this, when we were setting up our air conditioning for the house, the rental in Minnesota... I called them, or our power, not just our air conditioning. That's not a, it's not an exclusive utility. Like, <laughs> when we when we were sitting up, setting up our power, I called the power company, and I'm getting everything put into our name. And they told me, oh, there's some program on your um, AC unit where on really hot days, it like we control it to help like not max out the grid. And I was like, oh. They're like, if you don't want it, we don't have to do it. And I was like, oh, I mean, probably doesn't get that hot that often, right? In Minnesota, right? And she was like, oh, you'd be surprised. And I was like, well, I hope not. Because when I signed up to move to the Great White North, I thought at least I would not have to suffer the 90 degree days that I disdained so greatly. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that was a bait and switch. So it does get cold here. So cold. So when we moved from Ohio, it's not like Ohio is a you know tropical no, paradise. No, Ohio is. But not when we nice moved from Ohio, everyone's view of Minnesota, Wisconsin was Nanak of tundra. The North. Like, what are you going to name your sled dogs? Yes. And we got up here, and Hope the, you need you a know, good coat. The summers are beautiful, and it oh. gets hot. Uh, they're the most beautiful summers in America. But like I was easily. I was in an office, uh, one of my first business trips up here, and was talking to the, um, the secretary in the front, and I told her I was from Ohio, and she had never been to Ohio. Shocker! But she said, "Does it get cold in Ohio?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, it gets cold in Ohio." And she said, "Negative 30? I said, no, No, we have dramatically different (laughs) definitions of the word cold. I mean, it it does get cold in Ohio. And I remember the summer that summer, the winter when Samuel was like one year old, it got so cold. They called it what polar vortex, I believe. Um, That was the first time I'd ever heard that word. But I think I've heard it every single winter since. It's kind of like they make up their new buzzword. But anyway, it got, it was like negative 15. In Ohio. For, for, yeah, in Ohio. Yeah. This is in, in Columbus. And it was negative 15 for like a week and a half. And I remember not only, I turned off our mail. 
Because I was like, forget, we're not leaving this house. And our house wasn't staying very warm. So I was like putting weather stripping tape like on the front door to try to keep things from getting so cold because our house was like cracking and The house horrible. was not made to It was not it. made for this kind of weather. But you come to Minnesota and that's totally different, right? Yeah. So we have not only dealt with, oh, negative 15. It's like we barely, if it's January and the overnight low is negative 15, you're like, There was one okay. time I was sitting in my office and I remember calling you in and I was like, Amanda, it's 68 degrees inside the house. It is 100, 100 degrees colder degrees. on the other side of that Warmer window. Warmer in our home than degrees. it was outdoors. And for those of you, I would say, I would imagine a lot of our listening audience is residing in the state of Ohio or has at some point, and that is how we know them. Probably at this stage. But in Ohio, your homes are sort of normal. The walls are an expected thickness, things like that. In Ma- in Minnesota, our windowsills are bench seats yep like that is how thick our thresholds are it's just a totally different ball game up here for efficiency in we're your putting home. um quite the sales pitch <laughs> for minnesota so which is don't come up here is what most minnesotans would want you to know don't that. don't come here we don't need you don't come here um we isaac and i will tell you we do have the most beautiful summers in america and you should come visit in the summer but don't tell them that we told you to because we'll we'll probably get thrown out we would get kicked out. they don't they don't want you here they're minnesota nice which means they're not nice they're not that nice (laughs) (laughs) everybody up here that we know is actually extraordinarily nice and kind but minnesota nice is backhanded nice minnesota nice means i will be nice to you in a very cordial way on the street. Minnesota nice is I won't be mean to your face. Yes. So, well, you won't know this. In The Music Man, they're talking about... 76 trombones. Right, but that's not the song. That's so it's the called, only part of Music Man I know. Um, Iowa Stubborn is the name of the song. And they sing, um, like, So what the heck? You're welcome. Join us at the picnic. You can have the fill of all the food you bring yourself. You really ought to give Iowa a try, provided you are contrary. And that's Minnesota as well. (laughs) (laughs) So show tune of the night. There's many more where that came from. I think we should do a poll. Can we do polls? We should do a poll on whose Music Man song was better, yours or my 76 trombones. I mean, if we're going to have a contest, I can launch into... No, we just, we've already I, had the contest. Oh, it's over. Geez. I mean, I could have put so much more effort into it than that. I could not You have. could not. <laughs> I could not have. <laughs> All right. All right, so we've had music lessons. We've done a quick history of weather patterns in Minnesota. Yes. But since for the last six years. Why are we here? What are I we don't even remember anymore. Why are we here? Um, what are we going to talk about today? How about love? Love's good. Love it is. works with marriage. It should. It better. That's the goal. Or you're kind of in trouble. Most weddings kind of at least give the impression that they're going to try. So I think that's what we're going to talk about today is wedding. In a wedding ceremony, what is the number one scripture passage? 
that you hear read? Um, the love chapter. First Corinthians 13. That one. That's the one. So I think we're going to talk about that. We can do that. Because it gets read a lot, and I think we've all heard it till we can pretty much recite the majority of it. So we'll name this episode L-O-L-O-L-O-V-E. <laughs> no. L-O-L-O. No, we will not. No? We're not doing it. How about All You Need Is Love? <laughs> so maybe that's another poll. Better like better the, artist, better musical artist. Beatles, the Beatles or Ashley Simpson? Was that Ashley Simpson? I think so. Was that I don't Jessica remember. Simpson's sister? Yeah, that's just well, yeah, that's Jessica Simpson's sister. That's not the question. Yeah, I think that that, that is That's who sang that song. Who sang that song. So let us know what kind of human being you are. And tell Beatles us or Ashley Simpson? Beatles versus Ashley Simpson. So I think we should talk about love. We'll just go ahead and get right back into the love. Let's part do it. Of all of this. All right. Let's do it. All right. So I think I will just, as we have often done, start with scripture and read 1 Corinthians 13. Wait, so did, did we read this at our wedding? I don't think so. Really? No, I don't. So I don't remember. I don't remember much. I don't of remember either. About our wedding. We have a video somewhere of the whole thing that we should have. We should put. We should up. have watched it. We probably should have in preparation for this. You know what? I'm going to put up our condensed wedding video oh, that my brother-in-law Cole Durko. The people will made. love the, that. So yeah, okay. I'll put that up on Facebook and but Instagram. But what I, you guys the one thing I, I actually remember are. Um, What's it called when you practice the wedding? Rehearsal. Rehearsal. More because... You were so nervous. I didn't know what we were doing. Isaac, and I don't feel like our rehearsal told me what we were doing at all. Okay. I knew where to stand. Isaac thought there would be just a very formal script, you guys. And just like Broadway level theatrical instructions. No, I just like thought there would be some of them. He should have gone to a theater them. 101 class before. They they focused <laughs> so much on where you're going to stand. And then they were like, oh, then we'll do the wedding. And then you leave. And I was like, well, but what's the do the wedding part? Your dad was doing the wedding. I was. I just didn't know what was going to happen. Guys, he's making way too much of it. He, so I have no memory of whether we <laughs> read this passage Way up in his head. I feel we, like I don't it. think we read this passage because a lot of times like someone comes up and reads it. Yeah. Maybe we'll ask your dad. He probably read like some portion of it, but I don't think we like read this whole thing because I was kind of in this space of like, I don't want to do the cliche thing. So remember I said I wanted to use traditional vowels, but like my my one thing was that your dad was not allowed to use the word asunder. <laughs> I do remember that. I was part. like, nobody knows what that means. <laughs> Don't say that. Yep, Anything you want, one. as long as it doesn't have the word asunder. Torn asunder. Okay, so it. let's pretend like okay. we did read this at our wedding. I don't wedding. think we like read it. Like many weddings. I, I know I've been to a lot of weddings. Where so this many. Read. And it's very, it's very normal to hear. And it's a beautiful passage. But I think what we did, in, instead of having a reading of any sort done, was um, the Powells spoke. And that's kind of what we did in the place of somebody reading something formalized. Okay. So, okay. So now I'm going to read it and you can just pretend 
You just close your eyes and pretend like this happened during our wedding. All right. You ready? Eyes closed. First Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The end. Now I pronounce you man and wife. I mean, I don't really think that that's the flow. Skip to the end. Exactly. So that was the verse. What does it even actually mean? I mean, that's a good verse. It's a great verse. First of all, it was multiple verses. Well, it's a great chapter. That's a great chapter. The word is chapter that we're looking for here. That's a really long run-on sentence. Um, That's love. It is. It should be read at every wedding ceremony. Well, it's yes, but also I think it's important sometimes. We hear that so often and we're just like, oh, what a nice... I was going to say, because it's read at every wedding ceremony. and We don't actually know what it means we, most of the time. Like, we yeah. get the central part of it, but there's a lot on either side that actually has nothing to do with anything you imagine would be read at a wedding ceremony. And I think I this would be a good time to kind of point out um, the... When you look at your Bible and you see the headings of the chapters and the verses marked and all of that, yep. that wasn't put in until like near nearing the Middle Ages. It's like 1,500 years after the Bible was written. Guys went in and was like, you know what would make this thing a whole lot easier to parse through? If we had some frame of reference while we did it. So people went in and they created chapters and they created verses out of what was really just like long speeches and letters. Letters, yeah. That were originally written down um, or just or books. I mean, throughout the Old Testament, more than the New Testament, it was written as a book. Throughout the New Testament, a lot of it was written as a letter, um, an instruction to but a But you church. think about most books that you read. But regardless, it wasn't. It you wasn't, can't. You could have liked a paragraph or a couple sentences, but you can't. Right. You have to hope they have the same copy of you and you say, hey, page 34, second paragraph. Right. It was just, these were just big, long scrolls and they didn't have any of these like 
parts that so showed the, you where to get to. So my point is... that is that chapter 13 comes after chapter 12. Chapter 13 comes after chapter 12. And it's not just that it comes after chapter 12, but it is a contiguous thought with what was happening in chapter 12. And what was happening in chapter 12 was actually... Um, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. So gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the church at Corinth was like super impressed with their spiritual gifts. They were like all in on themselves um, and the gifts that they possessed and how important they were and how uh, mature it made them spiritually. And what Paul was telling them is like, great, um, that is not going to matter in eternity. It doesn't matter um, that you can speak in tongues. It doesn't matter that you have the gift of prophecy. Those things do not endure. What endures into the future is love. That is the thing that matters. So if you're doing these things and you're doing them for the sake of the gift, um, you're, you're not doing anything for the Lord actually in that. You're actually doing it for yourself and for a spiritual experience. Um, I saw a quote while I was like reading through all this stuff and I couldn't really find a good reference to who said it, but it's the possession of charismata is not the sign of the spirit. Christian love is. Um, Elizabeth Elliot says, we must never aim for spiritual experience over obedience. All of this is just pointing to the fact that these these gifts are these gifts are great. They are of the spirit, but they're imperfect and they're for now because the perfect end has not yet come and they will not continue. So love is our command. Love is the sign of the spirit of Christ within you. Love is the sign of spiritual maturity, not And really when we're gifts. you know, when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're you know, you can substitute kind of with spiritual gifts, like spiritual service, like what you do, like the the actions, the the your mission, your your service, what you're what you're doing in the church or in the in in the world. Like it's you, whatever you're doing for God, right? If love is not a part of it, love must be the driving force. Only what's done in love will last only what's done for god will last so uh, love is beyond just a marriage vow it is it's it's a command from god for everyone around us um made in the image of the lord that we're to love those around us and that the way that we show our relationship with god is actually by following his command of love and that makes your marriage your marriage is an excellent place to do that not only because you're also commanded to have love for your spouse but when you have that love for your spouse it is a it's a witness it's a it's a way to show the love of Christ to the people around you who are like looking in on your relationship not only do you get to enjoy that but you actually get to like use it as a witnessing tool and that shines the light of Christ out into the world when they see how you love each other. That's in the Bible too somewhere. When they see how you love each other, they will be drawn to your Lord. I can't remember where. Somewhere in the Peters. In the Bible. Or it's the Johns. The yeah. See, that's yes. how you would describe it before the chapters and verses too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Somewhere in the it's letters in of Peter. Somewhere. So we've established 
that love is good. It's good. It's taking us a long time to establish that love is good. I mean, all of that was part of establishing it. So it's good, but what is it? What is it? What is it and why? And this is where it gets tricky. We kind of did why it matters, but what is it? What is love? How do we define that? Let's start with how does the world define love? Oh. No? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have to talk about it. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So we're big Disney We people. are. We, we are. We've been to Disney World often. Our children have been to Disney World often. We've seen many Disney movies. Um, All Disney movies? Most Disney movies have some element of, of love in there, right? Yes. Um, romantic love. Romantic love. We'll call it. Um, whether your Disney movies or really any movie, there's this uh, falling in love, infatuation, feeling. Yes. And it's really, it's an emotion. Even... Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny, like their hearts beat out Bugs of their Bunny chest. Bugs Bunny is not Disney. No, I know, but that's. Watch I your said mouth. Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. Like the, no, I no, got just, away from Disney only. No, you you gotta you gotta make the line more clear there. I mean, that's just ugly to mix. It's ugly. Sorry, Mickey and Donald <laughs> Duck. <laughs> but not with each other. Right. They don't love each other. But they when they see Minnie or Daisy, their hearts beat so out I of their chest. So I think the point is. That is a focus on emotion. It's a focus on feeling. And even more than that, I like, wouldn't you say it's sort of a focus on what you are feeling? Like yes. it's a focus on self, really. Yes. Right? Like you, what are you feeling? What do you feel? I like, feel this. I'm, I feel that. I'm in love. Right. Because I think that person is great. Right. They make me feel great. So I'm in love. Even like, and I'm going to try to refrain from getting on like too high a soapbox about this one because it's like one I could go on about. But even in... Buckle up. A lot, I know. Sorry. Sorry. Hold on to yourselves. Um, a lot of a lot of wedding ceremonies, instead of using traditional vows now, will use their... They'll write their own vows, which are never vows ever. They're not a vow. They're, you're not vowing anything in them, it's more like, I promise not to um, try to hog the remote. And right now, I just feel so much for you. And I could, and every, I this and I that. And I feel and I see and I'll, it's never like I vow. But a vow, a vow <laughs> a is A vow is a I, promise it, in a, it's a covenant. It's saying it's, I, but it's I. But it, what I will do, I will do this. for you, I will do for us, right? And a lot of these self-written vows that I've heard are more about how I am feeling, right? So the world looks at love and they say it's a feeling. It's something that you feel. So that's a primary thing, right? It's like it's, it's, it's emotion. It's about self um, it's about self-esteem. It's about self-awareness. It's about self-image. There's also it's... like kind of an element of you don't really choose like that. Like, I can't help who you love. Right. And so it's just like it it's happens. Just, it's a thing. It's and an so overwhelming it's kind of, force that happens to you. It's almost out of your control. You. Like you just, right. you go, you date, you date people, you go and hang out with people until you there's like the some love. chemical reaction that happens until the love and it just ignites. sparks in you. And then it can just, I mean, just disappears. It can just disappear that fast too. Yeah. And I just, well, we just fell out of love. Right. 
and so we divorced. Right. And that was just what, and, and everybody just, culture just shrugs their shoulders and says, well, yeah, you know, if you fall out of love, what, what are you going to do? Right. It's just accepted. So if you think it's a feeling that just pops up magically, then of course it can just disappear. So how does that just compare magically. to, um, you know, this chapter in the Bible, which is commu- well, so, communicating to us what God feels about love? Well, so first, before we t- touch there, I had two other things, kind of one other thing that I wanted to point out that the world also says that love is. And you hear this a lot um, in, you know, social and political discourse. It's not that love, love, if you love someone, it tolerates all things. Right? It tolerates everything and it stands for nothing. And if someone else thinks that you aren't being loving, then you aren't. So it's a feeling that you have, but it's also a feeling that everyone else gets to decide upon as well. Whether or not they feel it from you decides whether or not you're loving in the world's view. Which is different than what God says. Right? So what does God say that love is? That's the question. That's the that, big question. I, yeah, yeah. So that I interrupted that question. Yeah. So let's ask it now. So let's ask it again. What, what does, does God, God say that love is? So. Love this is, is a verb. It is a verb. It's action. It's action and it's being. It's who you are. It's what you do. And what you do is imitate Christ. I, I also, I like to, this, this is me. I like to think love is a choice. Like, yeah, that it's, it doesn't happen it's a, to you. It's, a it's command not something that, that, that you must elect the to opposite follow. of you can't choose who you love. Like, no, you choose to love. Yes. And the Bible tells us that we shouldn't choose who we love, but we do choose to love. Right. Like that, that, that's a choice we have to make. The Bible tells us we don't get to elect not to love anyone anyone right right like we must love everyone we must show love to everyone as christ showed love to everyone around him we are supposed to show love to everyone around us and you know this just it just makes me think i'm going a little off script here um (laughs) but it was your script and not my script so this is on brand for me that is the whole idea though like i write some things down and then we just talk way too long about all of them just go yep um but that you know you hear a lot about the golden rule right which what is the golden rule he who has the gold makes the rules no (laughs) it's not that one no uh love your neighbor as yourself love your neighbor as yourself right that's the one and so golden rule so that but that's still self-focused um it is because you love yourself so much and the bible now to be fair the bible does talk about that in marriage like love your wife as you love your own but jesus raises the standard yes right and jesus said when asked the greatest commandment what did he say love the lord your god with all your heart and the second is like it love your neighbor what was it? As Just God like, loves. As God, that's right. Not as, as you I loved, loved you. Yourself. He raises the bar. So it's not just, love is not just treating others the way that you want to be treated. Right. Because then that becomes, well, if you don't want to be treated that way, then that 
person is held to that standard. That's true because there but there are no flexing standards here. It's he not. He says love others as I have loved you. Yes. And so now that's a standard of how did Jesus love us? He Gave greater himself. greater love no one has than to give themselves. Yeah. Put yourself. And so now there's this sacrifice, others. and so there's this, which is the whole Christian life. You might notice every single thing we will talk about will always involve this element of sacrifice. And there's, there's two, always and sacrifice. there's two elements of it. So like you said, the first is love God, and then the second is love others as He loves us. So there's I love the uh, there's a website called I Am Second, and they've got the wristbands, and you yeah. can see them out there, and they do they do great and powerful videos. Absolutely where they, they interview folks about their relationship with Christ. But there's this idea of I am second. Um, well, that means someone else, there's another person that's first. And mm-hmm. so first and foremost, it's God is first, but then it's others are first. And so it's like whoever you're interacting with, you are second. love places you as a servant to them. And so that's the second element. So yes. Sorry, just a little tangent there. Just No, I think that's kind of hit me that, you know, that, when we're talking about love, like the standard of love is what Christ did for us. And that's, yes. that's not just there to have been executed by Jesus and then left there. Like that's there for us to strive for. Yeah. And I think it's important. Also, we'll just go through this really quick because I think one, one big problem with the English language is that we say love, 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 love all over this whole thing. But a lot of people out there could be thinking, well, but I like I don't mean love them like that. I mean love them like this. But the Greeks were very wise and they had four different words. I mean, English is the worst language. It is. One of my pet peeves about English is only one word for you. Like most of the romantic languages, which our language derives from, has like you singular and you plural. And we really need that. We were watching. We were watching a comedian the other night talk about silent letters and just how dumb yeah. those are. <laughs> yes. Like picture you had letters at a party and this is of the random G. That's like, hey, hey, I'm gonna come along. Putting a word out together over there. Can I come? They're like, no, we don't need you. <laughs> He's like, no, I won't say anything. No, it'd be great. We'll I'll be quiet. Screw with all the foreigners. <laughs> so anyway. look, I'm in the word foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who was that? Was that? Is it Dimitri? I think it was Dimitri Martin. Dimitri yeah. Martin. He's yeah. probably listening. Oh, of course. Okay, so back back to the four Greek words because they're very, very smart and they have different words, all meaning love, but all meaning different kinds of love. So the first, most like simple, was eros, which is your erotic love, your sexual love. Bow chicka bow wow. Woohoo. And that one actually it it's it is often what people will just refer to as when you're love oh i fell in love like i fell in love they're really referring to this eros right but it can't actually it can't endure alone so it requires these other three that we're going to talk about here in order to like endure into the future so we have eros and that's your sexual love we have um i think it's storge which is your familial love, um, your your parent to a child, your brother to a sister. Um, you have philia, which I think we're all really familiar with that one because of like Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Um, so philia is brotherly love or friendship, and it's often described as the highest love that man is um, capable of achieving on his own. So 
it's it's tougher than sexual love and it's tougher than family love because this is love that you have for a person that you're choosing to love that you have no other link that you need to love this person and show them this kind of love. Um, the fourth type of love is agape, which is the highest form of love, but we can't really achieve it completely on our own. So it is God's love, but I it is important to note that it's not strictly God's love because the word agape is actually also used in the Bible. In John 3.19 and 1 John 2.15, the word for love in those verses, and those verses are, talk, are talking about the love of, man's love of the world, man's love of sin. The word, the Greek word for love in those verses is agape. So it's talking about this like incredible, like absorbing kind of love that we have for sin and for the ways of the world. So it's not strictly God's love because you can, you can agape something not great. Good. But it's about this, like I said, absorbing. It's totally absorbing. It's like denying yourself for the for the object of your love. Now, w- most of the time in the Bible when we talk about agape, like we're absolutely talking about we're a, we agape someone um, or God, the love God has for us is agape. That's the word that's used for that. And it demands nothing. It expects to receive nothing. It's sacrificial. Our favorite word. Um, it's it can be given to people who are lovable, who are unappealing. It can persist though rejected. Um, so it's it's big, right? It's like super big. So which love, love shows up in the love chapter? Um, which word? Agape. Okay. So that's the one that we're going to be talking yeah. about. So we're talking about agape, but I think it's important to note that that when you're talking about marriage, when we talk about falling in love and we say it would be eros, that would be the Greek word for our definition of falling in love. But what you need is you need, you start with that eros, you need the storge, the familial love, you need the philia, the brotherly love. Um, that fondness, that choosing to love. And you need the agape to make any of that persist. You need to be absorbed in the love that you can love your partner even when they are um, unlovable and unappealing and reject you at times. Like we all have, even in the best marriages, you have those moments and this is the love that gets you through this. You cannot fall out of agape. No, and it, and it, um, in my mind, it comes from God, and so to to be able it to, does, and I think that's the point. It, to you be really able can't do to, it without God. To, to be able to execute on this, you've got to be tapping into the Holy Spirit inside of you. Yes. Um, and so as we're, you know, you read this chapter in a wedding ceremony that you're going to love your spouse in this way. And the love that you're describing is what we're going to walk through here right. in, in first Corinthians 13. Um, you need God in you, you to be able to have any hope of executing right. that. You do. Yeah, absolutely. And we've touched on the fact before that the divorce rate in marriages inside of the church is actually equivalent to the divorce rate in marriages outside of the church 
And that is because people in the church are not understanding this. Left to your better. own left to your own devices, you can figure out sex. You can figure out your do. family. You can figure sort out of. friends. You can figure out some semblance of family and some semblance. Well, the of idea friends. of caring for them. The, Absolutely. Yeah, the idea of loving them, the idea of having friends. And, people who do not have God yep. in their lives have real love for the other people in their lives. But without that agape love, it's less likely to persist. You're not going to be able to execute You're not gonna on be able these, what is it, 14? 14 things that we're going to That are through. described in this chapter. Yep. Right. So, okay, let me just really quickly go back and just read the middle part of 1 Corinthians 13 because we're going to kind of break down each one of these and what they actually mean. So, um, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So that's a lot of descriptions. That's a whole lot of things you're achieving. I think we should break down each one of those. I, you know what? You are in luck because I have thoughts. What a I day. I know. <laughs> it's weird. All right. So let's just go from the top of this list. Love is long suffering. That, that sounds, sounds fun. That sounds miserable. <laughs> what does that mean, Isaac? It means misery. Does uh, it? No, it, it means sort love of does. is the, probably the way that it's read in the wedding ceremony is love is patient. Love is patient. Yes. Um, I am a big fan of New King James Version, so that's what I pull from. But I like long suffering better because I think that we don't completely understand like patient all the time. Like, oh, okay, I'll just be. Long suffering is much more colorful way to let you know that this patience is not necessarily particularly pleasant. Yep. Right? Um, this is God's love in us and we can show patient endurance in our relationships. Well, and I think another way to, another way to phrase it, like, long-suffering and patient is that like love doesn't quit right it doesn't give up yeah right so why would you need to give up in a relationship what would make you or not need to but what would make you desire in any given moment to give up in a relationship that person's being kind of a tool there's a lot of other words we could go to yeah i mean there's everything all of the things could lead you to want to give up. They're like, annoying. Some they're of them, hurting you. Some of they're them could... being a jerk. They're, they're, I don't know, there's a million things. Any little tiny behavior that any one of us It doesn't even have to be does them. Every it could day. just be that you changed your mind. Right, but that wouldn't fall under the long-suffering thing. Like, you are annoyed. Why did you change your mind? Because you're yeah, annoyed. Sure. Or you're hurt. Or you... Just think they're boring now when you didn't realize something. If you have true love and we're saying God's love, that's the only kind of actual love. God created love and he gets to define it. So that's what we're going on here. The love, any kind of like all four of these loves that we've gone through, we're ultimately rounding them all up to the fact that they are still love and God created that and God defines that. 
um, for himself. So this doesn't so mean... So this long suffering... This doesn't mean that you don't get annoyed. No. It means that you you are patient through the annoyance. Part of that... You can execute this more purely the more annoyed you get. That's true. You're I'm so long co- suffering if you're super annoyed. Good for you. I'm probably not coaching people to do that, but... Don't look for reasons to be But it's be not saying... Like the idea of long suffering and, and patience is that there is a tension. That there is yes. um, some element of suffering that you're going through for a long time. That, yes. That you continue to suffer the thing so that it's you're not, suffering. Love doesn't avoid conflict. Love doesn't, um, you know, stuff down your feelings and just try to avoid being annoyed. Right. Like this isn't... Your now, spouse, your spouse of, annoys you, and so you just ignore it. But it's that you don't quit, right? Well, and part of it is also. I think it's important to point out that it's not just sitting there and stewing in your annoyance right. Right. to be long suffering. If you're sitting there stewing in your annoyance, you are not actually being patient and long suffering. You are thinking of self and stew and stewing in your right own annoyance but this comes straight from an a description of the lord in second peter 3 9 the lord is not slack concerning his promises as some, as some count slackness but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance so no matter how many times we're annoying and the lord is patient with us and think about that like so we're, we've established that we're tasked with loving, in this case, our spouse is what we're talking about. But we're tasked with loving others. Um, right. In a long-suffering, patient manner, right? Think about God and us. like. And there's how, so many of us. So many of us. But just think about you. like Just just me. I'm enough to just not annoy his you. socks I was off. Talking no. to the, I was talking to the people. The people Think about listening. me, though. I am enough you may to not just know Amanda, annoy though. his socks off on a daily <laughs> think basis. Think about... Think about yourself. And you just, are too, by the way. And and, and don't think <laughs> about yourself like in the like what you're proud of. Think about the stuff that you're not proud of. That think you, about the that stuff you, you don't wouldn't want dare to know. tell anyone. Maybe you like even your them. spouse. Anyone that, that right. like you you don't like to think even to yourself about. Right. That's and the stuff that, about you that God knows, and that's yep. the stuff that God is patient with. Yep. That God that God long suffers. That His love endures all of that. Right. Um. And then, and then now, so take that list of what you know about yourself, right? And then compare it to what you think you know about your spouse. And it's not like, you know, some deep, dark stuff about how you operate yep, and why you do what you do. And the things, some of the things that you have done, some of the things you've thought though, like Jesus makes a point to, to decide that you think about doing stuff. It's just like, like, it's like doing doing it. it. And so think of that. You know your thoughts, and that's what God loves. And so, like, again, he doesn't love your bad thoughts, but that's what he's patient with. That's who God loves. Yeah. Um, So, as you think about long suffering, it's so easy to think about how you get annoyed. (laughs) Yeah, how we get annoyed with each other, but that that God loves through that, and that's our standard, and that's humbling. Right. Because we're we're not good at that. No. So he's able to do that also because love is, therefore, God is kind. We should probably move to two if we're we should get if we're ever going to get through fourteen of these. Love is kind. Um, 
God's love is seen in these simple acts of kindness um, on a day-to-day basis. So the little things that we do in our lives for our spouses, for the people we run into on a day-to-day basis, for our children, for our coworkers, this is a kindness. When you see true kindness, you're seeing the love of God. And I think that that's, like, it's important to point out that this is, this is true kindness. So much like love is of God, therefore he gets to define it. Kindness is of God, therefore he gets to define it. It's not soft. It's not like some trippy yoga guru who's just going to be like all peace and love and hippie garbage with everybody. Um, It's true kindness. It's not niceness necessarily. So it's not soft. God is kind. It is, he is love. He is kind because he is love. It's an attribute of God. And he also is, he disciplines us and he's firm in truth. So both of those things are kind. And this is one of the attributes of love, I think, that really jumps off the page when you think about applying it to your enemies. So yes. you mentioned earlier that, you know, in God's world, we're, we're called to love everyone. There's not, we can't choose who we love, right? We choose to love. But we, we, we're we not called to love we're all. Not, yeah, we're called to love all, and that includes those that we don't like. That includes yes. those that don't like us. That includes yes. those that are actively against us. Those that are our enemies. God, and, and sometimes our enemies, like it's, it's always been hard for me to like, look at people as my enemies. Like I'm not, well, you know, yeah, you know, I'm not a, a, a government that has enemies. Well, like I'm not in a like, enemy also just defines just like someone who wishes you, you. Yeah. And so poor. that, yeah, it becomes you, as, as you get older, you come across folks that just don't mesh with you. No. Yeah. People that don't like you. Um, and it's for, I know for me, it's hard for me to admit that people don't like me. But the love is kind. Like this one to me is one that like to love your enemies is to be kind to your enemies. So yes. if, if someone. It doesn't mean you have to like them or want to be friends with them. No. And it doesn't don't. mean that you, you don't validate what they do and you have to just bend over right. and do it. Like that's and not that. But you, it. But you, you can, can be, kind. be kind. And and in our world today, kindness is a lost art. And I think that it's a, I think that a good synopsis for kindness, a good like end sentence for it what it is is kindness is not just what you do for the people you love but what you do for those you find unlovable so kindness can be seen more tremendously in those acts that you reach out to the person that you don't actually want to be around but you're going to go out of your way to show them a kindness and you might literally be thinking in your head I'm going to do this for you because I do not like you and I need to show and, and a so kindness let's to be loving. Bring that back into the marriage world. So, like, by no means do I think of you as my enemy, right? But I hope not. the way this plays out, like, in a relationship is, you know, moment to moment, like, when, and this is a practice that I try to do, like, when you really piss me off, can I say that? No, you already did. When you really peeve me. <laughs> um, really... Get my whiskers in a knot. (laughs) Um, When I'm in tune with agape love. Yeah. So that's not always. But 
I try to then respond with some sort of some sort of act of kindness. Like yes. when I get really worked up, as opposed to the fifty-seven other ways that I could respond and that I probably would want to respond. It's like, can I go? I'll go empty the dishwasher. Right. So when you see that dishwasher empty, you know that I just. Oh no. Not not always. Sometimes it's just out of good, <laughs> goodwill. But I, in reaction, like there's, I I look to do that. And I think that's a good practice. Yeah. That, that at no point, like, are well, you necessarily also, your enemy, but it's like, can I, can I combat the feelings inside of me with love? And love is kind, and so let me go do a kind right. thing. And you, and like, you wouldn't be amazed, but I would you'd not. be amazed at how often that that just melts any feelings of um, dissent and and use the word hate well Any i was feelings inside that are that are antagonistic you just if you go do something kind for someone it is hard to not it is and i was to gonna them. say this is also like prophylactic as well like you can that word means. be <laughs> uh, proactively um get in the way of feelings of anger and annoyance by being kind first so if you are like i'm just gonna practice acts of kindness so that I don't feel as annoyed with you. It is harder to become annoyed with somebody that you're already Yeah, I thought prophylactic was like how you don't have kids. Well, it is because you get in front of having kids. Ah, okay. The word prophylactic is a word on I thought that was the only way that that word was used. No, it's not. All right, so love also. Let's move on. Yes, we need to move on. did we we moved on and on and on for another hour if you can believe it or not complete hour so we made the executive decision to cut it here for this week yeah i think a grateful public will thank us yes for not subjecting them to another consecutive hour of going on about First Corinthians 13. I mean, I think it's good material. Very valuable. But it's a lot all at once. It is. So we're cutting the day here. And we're going to pick up part two next week. And you will hear us in that podcast with zero clue on how long we'd been going on. Talk about cutting it. <laughs> yep. At an hour and a half, approximately from what I can tell. So you'll hear the second part of this next week. We hope. We hope you'll listen to the first part of it this week and then you'll want to hear the second second part of it next week. And we'll see you then. Yeah. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye.